1: Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics and now here's michael cargill
0: good afternoon austin texas the live music capital of the world let's praise the lord and pass the ammunition today we have on the phone marcus allen weldon nicknamed the santa shooter also he he has a book called the santa shooter guilty Until proven innocent we're going to talk to him about his story and also about his book Today, you will find out why Texas and U.S. law shill is so important. Also, we will have on the phone Derek J. Freeman from New Hampshire, and he will talk to us about Bitcoin and how it is is now doubled in price. Bitcoin's on the rise and Bitcoin gun sales are going up. Before we get to our guest, did you guys see the commercial from our guest last week? You know, the, uh, the guy um, that did the... Now, what is it? You, you, you build a roof and get a free gun. Did you see that? Did you see the commercial? The other commercial where this time you get a roof and you get $500 worth of free weed. nuh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of uh, Detroit, uh, not Detroit, out of um, Colorado. So he's in Colorado now and he says, hey, you get a free, you get a roof, you buy a roof from us, you actually get $500 in free weed. Oh my God! Yeah, and he had a big, huge joint. You would like that from uh, the is Libertarian that, Party?
2: Is that their leftovers from building materials?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I, 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 we'll see if it works out for him. But yeah, they're definitely giving away free weed if you get a roof. So we'll see how that works. And in, and I, you know, did send him a little message and let him know that uh, he needs to make sure he does leg day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see uh, what happens. I, I, I think he did a couple of little. Uh, little i don't know what do you call him. you you bend down stand up you know to build his leg up before he did the video so we'll we'll see uh on this next video how how, he, how those legs look all right so now we have uh on the show today we have marcus allen weldon and his nickname uh, well they nicknamed him the santa shooter he's out of detroit and i want to welcome to the show marcus weldon welcome to come and talk it sir hey how you doing thanks for having me michael all right, so Marcus um, was a—I want to say—a a handgun license holder. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, so he's That's a correct, handgun, yeah. a handgun
3: license. All
0: right, so a handgun license holder from Detroit, and he has a little promo here. I, w- I want you to listen to this because uh, he has a book that he's—he has out there. It's called *The Santa Shooter: Guilty Until Proven Innocent*.
4: December twenty-first, two thousand fourteen. It was the roughest year of my life. I almost lost it all my career, my life, and most importantly, my daughter. I was just with the mayor the other day. I was at the tipping point of my life. What happened? When I was caught in the jaws of the justice system, I realized I was not the victim. My family
5: was. My son is innocent. Uh, as I stand for you, stand here today, I'm glad I'm not at a funeral. Rather, I'm here trying to defend my son. At least he still has breath in his body. If it wasn't for Marcus, I do not know what would have happened that night.
4: They found the most incriminating photo of me they could find. A picture of me with braids when I was 17. I'm networking and meeting with everybody. Dr. Cornell West, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Umar Johnson... C.J. Hammer Open Carry, Texas. Rick Hector. Detroit Police Chief Craig said, get armed. People are going to protect and That's people. exactly
0: what I did. 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 And now we're talking with Marcus Weldon, and he was nicknamed the Santa Shooter. And I want him to take us back to that night um, when all this happened. What were you doing at a gas station that late at night? in Detroit? well, Yeah, well, one of my
3: uh, side jobs, additional to uh, what I do on an everyday basis, I, I was working for a promotional company uh, called Soho, and they would have us go to different events and sponsor different events with uh, different cognacs that they teamed up with. So Remy Martin was the cognac that they had teamed up with, and it was during Christmas time, so it was a special. They wanted to do to promote the new drink. And of course by being Christmas they wanted us to to uh fit the theme and wear a Santa Claus outfit. So after the after the promo, which ended around uh I say about twelve thirty, one o'clock at night, I left the venue and my coworker who also worked at the promo, she had a flat tire so I ended up meeting her at the gas station to assist her because of the fact that she was by herself and didn't. Have, and she called a number of friends and they didn't answer. I figured figured the most I could do was either change the tire or at least get my tow truck driver who I knew was uh, still out and about. Maybe he can meet her up there and I can uh, leave after she's with someone knowing that she's not safe. And it ended up becoming a situation where, of course, late at night gas station, you've got people who are drunk leaving clubs. Two individuals ended up seeing her while she was at the gas station uh, as I pulled in and was looking at the tire, and I guess they thought she was by herself. So one of the guys approached her. I'm not sure exactly what was said between the two. I think I know he was maybe, I guess, hitting on her or trying to get her attention somehow, and I guess she didn't want to get get in the time of day. So by him being highly intoxicated, which we later found out during the um, transcripts and the Preliminary you know, or a preliminary exam, and even in the trial, he ended up pushing her, physically putting his hands on her. And when I seen that, I approached and I had said, "Hey, you know, what's going on?" My, I tried to bring that situation down, escalate it, because I can see he was just really hostile and off the liquid courage, as we call it. And then he ended up attacking me, and of course he had his buddy with him, so. I guess they figured two to one, a man in a Santa suit doesn't look that intimidating. I did have my firearm on me, and um, unfortunately, my my, uh, holster, (laughs) I had left it in the car, so I had the one rule I did break was I didn't have my holster on me, so I ended up having the firearm kind of just tucked in in my pants, which I shouldn't have done.
0: Okay, and let's let's go back, Marcus. I want to go back because I want to know, since you're a license holder, what brought you to the yes. point uh, that you wanted to actually start carrying a handgun? How did you get to that point?
3: Well, I had, my best friend was murdered and killed uh, in Detroit on the east side. He was carjacked. And I was actually with him the day before, and I realized that it hit close to home. And I knew then the only way that I was going to feel at ease, especially after that situation happened, was to get my license to carry
0: all right. So, OK, so something happened with a friend of yours. You decided, you know what, I'm going to take my own personal protection, in my own hands and, you know, go get a handgun license and get a gun and start carrying. Now, exactly. in, in Detroit, do they have anything? See, so here in Texas, we have something that's called a Texas and U.S. Law Shield. So I'm wondering in Detroit, is there something, you know, doing your class because – I have this thing where, you know, if I give you the tools that you need, the knowledge that you need to protect yourself and also protect your family. Also, in part of that knowledge, have got to give you, you know, some, you know, uh, at least a legal source of someone that can help you after bang, after you fire that shot. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, is there something in Detroit or Michigan that actually has, you know, what we call what's equivalent to a Texas law show?
3: I was introduced to a program afterwards called Firearms Legal Protection, but they—I think they're stationed out of Dallas. Okay. And there isn't a program that's exclusive here to Michigan. No, um, I was—I didn't. I'm left, left, as far as I know, I'm not going to just put that on record because I'm not sure. Okay. But I was—I was introduced to Firearms Legal Protection after the situation happened.
0: So after the, after the fact. And okay.
3: After the fact, I wish I had been more proactive in seeking. Uh, programs like this. When I did get my my uh, carry permit, not sure if they had. It. I mean, when I, I had my license about five years, so I'm not sure if, they, if this program exists back then.
0: But so you had your you had your handgun license five years before this incident. Correct. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. About, so used, you used four to you, five years. So you're used to carrying. Uh, you you carried almost every day. Pretty much. I pretty much carry every day.
3: Now uh, multiple friends that I knew had got murdered, so I was started to carry even more as. Time went on.
0: Now, is there a reason you said you didn't have your holster? Is there a reason you didn't have your holster? You can go over that again. Yeah, it was. It had. I had
3: damaged it, and I was supposed to get a new one. It was just me being lazy. I didn't go out and buy one like I should have. It was. It had uh, the strap had broke on it, so it wasn't. It wasn't. It, was, it had. It was no good at all. So I pretty much was trying to. uh was buying time. I really should have went out and got one. As soon as I got paid, but I
0: didn't. Oh, no, no worries at all. So, at least you were carrying. Yeah, I tell you that. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, you're, you know, you, so something happened in your life. You decided, you know what? I need to take, you know, my own personal protection, my own hands, start carrying a handgun, you know, get a class and all that stuff. All right. So now, and this happened in December. What was the date? December. December 21st, 2014. All right, December 21st. And you're actually, you you're in a, you attended an event where you were wearing a Santa costume. Is that correct? Yep, that's all, correct. <laughs> all right. So, and, and that's how <laughs> they nicknamed you the Santa Shooter. Now, how yeah, it was the spin that the New York Times gave it, actually, I believe. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did they, why did they spin it, the Santa Shooter?
3: Well, actually, because the thing about it is, I actually had to use my firearm in self-defense. And the, uh, the long story short, the guy went back and got a gun out of the car. And when he came back, yeah, that's when I fired my shot. Okay. And um, unfortunately, it was a lot of crummy police work done. And uh, we have video that end up showing his guy, his buddy picking something up, and he ran to the dumpster, and they also ran to the trash can. And okay, let's let's really get into strange. the
0: details of that. All right, so you're there that night because I want to I want to go deep into this you're there that night and your friend that you were with she had a flat tire and you're trying to help her repair her tire correct okay so she's there by the vehicle and these guys come up and they're trying to talk to her trying to rap to her and she's like look you know i got a flat tire i'm not even moved for this right now i'm trying to change my tire so i can get home because it's late and i'm tired basically yeah i I mean i can so see this you know all right so and then he gets you know upset because she's not giving him the time of day and i've seen her in interviews and she's pretty hot let me tell you she's got it going on so (laughs) so i can see why he was a little perturbed you know because man because she was really hot okay so she's like look i got time for you right now i'm trying to change my tire you want to do something for me you know what? you can come over and help me change this tire if not just you know go on about your day all right so he gets upset because she's not giving him the time of day, and so now he gets a little physical. He's going to take what he wants.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, that's how it goes. Unfortunately, to some people. Okay, and they then can't and, get what they want, and then take it from there. And then after that, you know, it gets I, when I intervene. He looks at me, and I and he's like, oh, what are you going to do?" And you know, he he ran, and for uh, so I know he pushed me. I couldn't believe that. I mean, he went from screaming and hollering, and he ran and tore straight at me. So we ended up getting into a little physical altercation. And uh, he said something to his buddy, and his buddy started scrambling around under the seat. His buddy was still at the car, and I could, they left the door wide open. So I looked directly into the car, of course, trying to see how many people it was, and he gets to scrambling under the seat. And I said, okay, this this is not good. So I gave him a warning. You know, I told him, I said, hey, back up. Uh, whatever, you know, I got my firearm. Leave us alone. And trying to keep an eye on him and his partner in the car, and that's when he ran back to the vehicle, and I was hoping that he was going to just get in the car and leave, but instead he got the firearm out of the car that he did. i could, I couldn't tell if his partner passed it to him if he got it under the seat or but however he did it, he got it, and when he turned around. That's when I fired my first shot.
0: And hold that Once thought. Seen- hold that thought. We're talking with Marcus Allen Weldon. He's he's nicknamed the Santa shooter. He has a book called The Santa Shooter: Guilty Until Proven Innocent. And he's telling us his story about what happened back in December, um, a few years ago, uh, with his incident in Detroit, Michigan. We're also going to talk with J- Derek J. Freeman about Bitcoin and the the rise in the Bitcoin price, as it pertains to gun sales and everything else. Uh, So you're going to learn today why Texas law shill is important. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
3: This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
1: Texas weather can change on a dime.
2: Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly.
1: When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with Marcus Allen Weldon, nicknamed the Santa Shooter. He has a book called The
0: Santa Shooter, guilty until proven innocent. And today you will find out why Texas and U.S. Law Shield is so important. Also, we have on the phone on the phone a little later on Derek J. Freeman from New Hampshire. And he will talk with us about Bitcoin and how it has now doubled in price. Also, we're going to talk about our new press secretary um, at the White House and how his now position uh, is going to affect the Hearing Protection Act and also concealed care reciprocity bills. So we'll talk about that a little later on in the show as well. But back to uh, Marcus Allen Weldon, who was telling us about, you know, the back in December. And what year was that, Marcus? 2014. All right. So back in December 2014, uh, where the New York Times nicknamed him the Santa Shooter. All right. So you're there at the gas station, and now this guy has gone to his vehicle to get a gun, and and he comes back, he turns around, and then what did you do? That's when I fired
3: my first shot. I tried to um, do what I was told, and take out and, and i didn't even want to give him a, a second to even get a chance to even get a, a straight on aim but even when i fired my first shot i think i hit him but i don't think it actually affected him right away
0: what did you what did and you think of that moment that you were firing a shot did you what did you focus I on i couldn't believe it i was fo- i focused i was you know i
3: aimed and focused at his chest area but i was just kind of in shock i mean i, I just remember like looking at my firearm as the as I fired the shot and my seen, looking at my finger squeezed on the trigger, I mean, it was just I was just in shock, man. I, I really couldn't believe that this was happening.
0: And at that moment and in time, you were actually pulling the trigger and firing the shot.
3: Exactly. And I, I, I remember seeing the ball of fire and everything. I mean, it was just like everything was just
0: heightened at that moment. It was almost like the Matrix where, where you're, you know, everything slowed down. Because it's nighttime. But it's and, and what, it's what, nighttime, right. And because and people don't understand that. When you fire that shot at night – you're going to see that flash from the barrel of the gun.
3: Yeah, it's, 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 it's intense. I mean, and, my adrenaline
0: was pumping and everything. And you don't have ear protection on. Nothing. It's not like it is when you go out to the gun range.
3: Very frightening. But uh, what made it even crazier was um, he still was coming towards me, and his, his arm was still extended. And, um, I fired again, and it was like then I heard another shot coming from his direction, and so I was like, Oh my god he he's still standing he he was able to get a shot off, and you know I just lost it at that point, and I ended up firing I think four to five shots uh and hitting him twice and-, and also his partner got hit as well and um and at that point i took I turned around and ran, but what actually made it. The crazy situation on top of that was I was getting followed by a black car, which they were in a black car as well. So I thought the car that was following me was the two individuals, and they were you know chasing me down to continue to fight. Turned out I was an off-duty police officer. Oh, okay. okay. So I ran down the alley, and, of course, the the news picks that up and says Santa runs from police on foot, which was totally just uh, another thing spin to make the story more exciting because they were right. in an off-duty uh, unmarked car.
0: Right, because you're thinking these are the guys, and they're still being persistent, and they're still coming after you.
3: Yeah, because the girl, she screams. She runs off. I'm trying to make sure she's okay. The next thing I know, a black car is following me, and I'm like, what's going on? So I turn and ran, and, you know, God, I mean, I almost wanted to turn around and, you know, let us another shot at the car, but I realized, you know, hey, well, right now let me just get to safety. They're not shooting at me, so I'm not gonna shoot yet. But if I had fired another shot, you're talking about me hitting an officer. I mean, that could have really went.
0: That would have changed things greatly.
3: Greatly, yeah, but when you're in that heat of the moment, and uh, I remember the officer, he he yelled out the window. All he said, he said, hey, and you know, in court, they brought that up and I said, well, what does hey mean? (laughs) So, I mean, he yelled, hey, stop. And, I, and I'm not, did that mean I'm supposed to stop? He never said police. He never said anything. I didn't see a blue, red light or anything.
0: No lights flashing.
3: And nothing. No badge. No, no, nothing. And so I just ran down a dark alley. And I remember each puddle of water that my foot even splashed in. I mean, it was, I can remember everything. You know, the brick, uh, the color of the brick for the wall. I mean, you, you, everything was just like, it was like, some, like a movie. And I, it was almost like I was in third person watching myself run. As I'm thinking about it now, like I'm watching myself run from this car, and that was
0: even scarier than the shooting itself because I'm thinking I'm about to get ran down and killed. So then, what? What? How did you come to a stop?
3: So I ended up seeing uh, during, during this time there was police that was in front of another club, actual marked cars, and um, I said, "Well, hey, there's police right there. If I run to this officer." this black car will stop following me because they will see, Hey, he's around law enforcement. Maybe they'll back off. And as soon as I ran to the, the police car, I had my gun put away. I didn't, you know, I didn't have it in my hand. I tucked it back in my waistband and I ran and I had to say, Hey, I need help. And then Detroit police had must, they had, they had their call from a radio saying that I shot at the gas station and the guy in the Santa suit. So they all pour their firearms on me and told me to get on the ground. So now I'm thinking that I'm about to get shot by the police and end up like a statistic. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so that's another adrenaline rush that I went through. So I, I, I just ended up, you know, I complied. I got on the ground. And I just remember telling them, please don't shoot me. You know, and um, the officer, he didn't shoot. He put me in handcuffs. And that's when I realized the car that was following me, they got out the car, and I realized they were officers as well because they began to tell their side of the story, how I ran down the alley and was running from them.
0: And so that, and that's how it kind of took off. Well, this guy's running from us, so he had to be doing something wrong. And that's how it went from there. Exactly. That's how it went from there. And, and then I ended up getting – they took me down to the county jail. I had to wait
3: post-bond and um, blessed to have the means to do that and uh, end up put, being put on house arrest. And it was just a, a calamity that followed from there, a financial disaster. So, you,
0: so let's go over this. You went to jail. You were fingerprinting your book. You spend the night in jail, you have to bail yourself out of jail. Correct.
3: Yep, yep. I had to bail myself out of jail. And you have to wait 72 hours before you even get a chance to even get an arraignment to possibly be bailed out.
0: Right, but before so, they tell you're going you. you to do at least a guarantee uh, 72 hours. Before they tell you how much you have to pay. Exactly. And then you got to get that information to whoever's going to bail you out to get the information, get the money together and meet the bail bondsman or whatever they need to do to get you out after that. Exactly. So we're talking. <laughs> we're talking what? Three days?
3: Three days. Uh, going into four days. You know, if you, if, it depends on how long you take to get the money. I've seen people sitting there. Actually, a guy I was sitting uh, the same cell with. I ended up running him again, and he said he
0: sat there for three months because he had to wait to get the ten grand to mm. get out. All right. So and, now, was there any video from the at the gas station of this incident?
3: Yeah, I ended up having a uh, – it was a very grainy video, but the, the main part of the video we ended up getting getting from the gas station, which took a very long time to get. It's another story with that, but it showed the man going to the vehicle, digging under his seat, turning around, and he kind of shifted to his left, and you can see his hand pointing in, in my direction. And then you can see when he gets hit, he falls back with his hand up. Uh, his partner gets out the car, kind of ducks down and picks something off the ground – Couple of things. He he looks like he picks up a couple of things. I kind of think it was drugs as well. But he runs over to the dumpster, then he runs to the trash can. He's like, you know, throw something in the trash can. So he then he goes back into the car and he's like picking something else out the car. So it's almost like he was cleaning up the scene. You know. Oh, like well, I, then, I oh, well, oh well then.
0: Oh oh. in that case then then that means that the police got this video, and then yeah. within a few weeks or so they kind of cleared you right. They could have cleared me, yeah. I actually, wait, wait, you mean they didn't clear you?
3: No, they didn't clear me, but I felt they should have. And I'm going to so say, you, what else, so did the they? 911 tape.
0: So hold on. So did they even look at the video?
3: They told me there was no video.
0: So the police never video. looked.
3: To, I, so, they told me there was no video. I, they lied. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, so there you, was no video.
0: You're telling me that law enforcement never looked at the video from the security camera oh, from the gas it. station?
3: They, they looked at it because I ended up running into one of the officers. He ended up. Uh, the guy who arrested me, the officer, he was a good officer. He, I ended up seeing him later on. And he told me he'd seen the video, and he said, you need to get your attorney to get that video. Once I told my attorney that an uh, officer told me that there is a video, all of a sudden the video mysteriously appears on his desk, and it needs to be un- unencrypted because it it's, uh, can't work on the software that he had. So we can't open it.
0: So why didn't they just so clear you after they, they knew there was a video, and clearly it, you know that video should have cleared you of any wrongdoing?
3: I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, I, prosecutors, they went with the the argument, but there was no gun at the scene found, even though.
0: OK, hold on, was, uh, because you now you did say you heard shots coming back at you from his direction, correct? Correct. So correct. They, they, that tells me they had to well, they, did they find any shell casings?
3: Well, and then in see, trial, we is... end up having a, a forensic expert that came and he said he found bullets. Uh, he couldn't determine which gun it came from the bullet was so destroyed not the shell but that's your bullet itself but the main evidence of another gun was the 911 tape the clerk because you remember there's always a clerk at a gas station
0: wait right, but hold on though hold on I'm, I'm talking the spent casing i'm not talking the actual bullet i'm talking the spent cases from over in his direction
3: yeah and there was no uh evidence of that found, but there was also no Even you know, I don't think even a forensic expert even went out to the scene to even look for that. Sounds like they didn't look later. Okay, they didn't really look two days later. There was the expert came and he looked at the scene, but the actual at that moment, the police didn't even search the dumpsters. I mean, it was just all shoddy work when it all came down. They what they did, I think they felt like they had their guy, and they dropped the ball on the rest because they allowed people to continue to come to the gas station and get gas during the during the supposed to be investigation. And the clerk said on a written statement that I fired three or four shots, and the other guy fired two shots. And he also said on 911 tape that, um, which is on actually on YouTube, along with the video, he said uh, that one guy had his gun, the other guy went and got his gun, and he started to shoot at him. One guy had on the Santa suit, the other guy was uh, had on all black. And it was a young lady, and you know he described what happened. Now this guy disappeared, and we could not find him to testify. Hmm. Go figure. So they tried to say that wasn't admissible. His stuff, his his statements were hearsay. So
0: right, because they couldn't they couldn't find him.
3: We couldn't find him. Yeah, he 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 ended up. I had hired a private detective to look for him, but he couldn't find any trace. So he said his family. He said he, let, he skipped town. They don't know where he went.
0: All right. So, so at this point, how much is this costing you now? Because now you've had to bail yourself out of jail. How much was the bill?
3: Uh, Fifty grand, ten percent. So end up becoming with the five grand.
0: Okay, so five and, grand to you bail yourself out of jail, and now you uh, you're missing work. Ten grand for the attorney to get started and everything to get everything ball rolling. And ten and, grand, ten grand for the attorney. So we're at fifteen grand, and you miss work. Miss work four months straight. Four that months of work you hour. miss. Yep, four months of work. How many people and out there, he, I, and I want to know this, how many people out there can afford to miss four months of work and still pay your bills? Ask yourself yeah. that.
3: And not to mention the video expert who unencrypted the video for us. That was 1500 Plus he had to appear in court to talk about the product that he had uh, and also the uh, experts that we hired. I had him having a self defense expert as well and he looked over the case and he was just like I can't believe this is happening cuz all the evidence is showing in self defense and the
0: video is a uh,
3: I mean so this, can, this, the guy's an aggressor.
0: This sounds like a, a just a clear case of well you know we got a black guy in custody so just screw it let's just go on and pack it up and go home and you know we're not going to do any work at all. Exactly. <laughs> let's, just lock, let's just lock this dude up. We're gonna lock him up. We'll just say here yeah, he's the aggressor. We're just gonna lock him up and and go with it and and just call it a day. That's basically where it boils down. And, and then it's crazy because the actual trial itself, the jurors, I got a chance to talk to them.
3: I asked him. I said, "What was the deciding factor?" They was like, "Well, I mean, the video." As like the video and the actual statements, they I'm, they were trying to figure out why did the clerk, why did he disappear. Of course, oh, also, the guy who acted, actually started the whole thing, he left the country. He didn't he, – he was from – I think he was from Yemen. He left the country. He didn't show up to court. So he didn't even come to defend his own self because he didn't die. And he didn't even come to, you know, say his your story. Now, his buddy who was the uh, – who claimed the scene up, he came. And his first statement was that he, his boy was getting a baseball bat to defend himself against me because I had a gun. And then he changed that statement and said his boy never made it to the vehicle. And then he seen the video and he said, oh, well, you know, he was trying to get in the vehicle. So he had three statements together. And then he said they weren't drinking. So, I mean, it, it came to the point where his credibility was so screwed and shot to the point where he didn't even, it was
0: pointless for him to show up. And 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 I'm worried now because now there's a gun out there somewhere that they didn't even get. Yeah. And I think it's in the dumpster. I
3: mean, because when he ran to the dumpster, he was over there. You can kind of see him. It was in the dumpster. I'm not dumpster. sure if you're, if you're familiar with Open Carry, Texas with C.J. Grisham. Mm-hmm. But he was a big activist to help me out. And I, what I did was I got the video finally, and I told C.J., I said, I don't trust anybody. So I want to send this video to you. If they decide they want to get rid of it, I want you to release it. And, he, and that's exactly what C.J. did. He held on to it. And uh, he said – he he had communications with my mother, and I told her, I said, if I don't come out of here, tell CJ to release the video, and then we're going to have to just make a big uproar. So he ended up releasing it anyway, uh, even when the case was over on Open Carry, Texas. It's on his page, along with the um,
0: now on one tape. That is just crazy. All right, we're talking with Marcus Allen Weldon, nicknamed the Santa Shooter. Uh, He has a book called The Santa Shooter Guilty Until Proven Innocent. Also, we're going to talk with Derek J. Freeman, and we're going to talk to him about Bitcoin and how that price has actually doubled and and how Bitcoin gun sales are actually on the rise. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
3: This is Marge Toure. You're listening to
0: Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill.
1: Keep up with the latest breaking news in Austin and around the world. Take a moment to make sure you're following us on Twitter at Talk1370. Let the tweeting begin. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk1370. The right choice. Catch up on the latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com. Welcome back to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We're talking all things firearms. Now here's Michael Cargill.
0: Now it's time for GGN Global Gun News. Global Gun News sponsored by Central Texas Gunworks. The largest online gun store in Texas. In the news.
6: On July 15th, the Republican Party of Texas held a training session at their headquarters in Austin on constitutional carry. Since it's been the number one legislative priority for the past four years, many RPT members are quite unhappy at the legislature's inaction on the issue. The session consisted of training on advocacy for constitutional carry. There were also several hours where attendees created video testimony directed at Governor Abbott urging him to include it in a special session agenda. Governor Abbott, who has announced his plans to seek a second term in 2018, has not released a statement on the subject. In Michigan, a couple seeking to foster their grandson have been given an ultimatum by social workers to either register the serial numbers of every firearm in their home or lose their grandson. William Johnson claims that a caseworker from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services demanded the serial numbers to complete the legal process to foster his grandson, saying, quote, if you want to care for your grandson, you will have to give up some of your constitutional rights. The Second Amendment Foundation has filed a lawsuit against the Michigan DHHS on behalf of the couple. A new gun control measure has been filed in the Massachusetts General Assembly that aims to disarm anyone that may be suicidal. H.3081 would allow family members, police, health care providers, and prosecutors to request a judge to issue an extreme risk protective order against individuals experiencing a crisis that may put themselves or others at risk. If granted, the person would have their right to keep and bear arms suspended for up to one year. Similar legislation has been filed in Oregon and New York. Also in New York, former Otsego County Sheriff's Office under Sheriff Arnold Carroll has been sentenced after pleading guilty to several counts of possession and sale of stolen firearms. On February 3rd, Carroll pled guilty on charges stating that between 1995 and 2007, he stole 73 firearms from the Otsego County Sheriff's Office Evidence Locker and falsely recorded that they had been destroyed per departmental policy and then sold them to a gun store. Senior District Judge James McAvoy sentenced Carroll to five years of probation, 150 hours of community service, and a $10,000 fine.
0: All right, so we're back and we're talking with Marcus Allen Weldon, nicknamed the Santa Shooter. He, he has a book called uh, The Santa Shooter, Guilty Unto Proven Innocent. But before we go back to Marcus, did you guys hear about the UPS worker uh, that stole some guns? Has he read that? I didn't hear that. Yeah, there's anything. a UPS worker. Um, he actually, somehow he moved the boxes from his vehicle to another vehicle, something like that, and end up you know, unloading the guns out of the boxes and then having another driver deliver them or something to that effect and basically end up intercepting the guns before they got to the gun store. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's like a, it's a large amount of, a lot of guns actually. So yeah, they, they they caught this guy, and that's it's kind of odd for a UPS worker to do something like that. Usually, you expect something to happen, you know, somewhere else, not the driver. So that was just dumb on his part because eventually he was going to get caught. And not only the, was he stealing guns, he also was stealing other items as well. And so yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> All right, and then um, and also where it's earlier today, I was talking online about the, uh, Press secretary, uh, the White House communications director—I guess that's his official yeah. title—Anthony uh, uh, Scaramucci, um, and back in like 2012 and, and before, and even 2014 and 15, he's got a lot of tweets where he's talked about you know needing strong gun control laws, and so now this guy is the White House communications director, you know, for uh, the president. So now I'm kind of skeptical now on whether or not we're going to get concealed carry reciprocity. We're going to get that bill passed and also whether or not we're going to get um, the Hearing Protection Act passed as well. So if this guy is the voice who's an anti-gun individual is now the voice of the White House, you know what are the chances of us getting our bills passed? So we'll see. Uh, uh, My eyes are definitely on the White House now. Now I have doubts. I have doubts and because we're coming up on midterm elections and I don't know if people realize this, you know, it's, it's, there's no secret when it comes to midterm elections, things shift, mm-hmm. you know, whoever holds the house, the white house, they lose seats, you know, in the Senate and then the, you know, the house of representatives, yeah, that's sure. how that happens. It flips. So it's just, it's how it always happens. There's no secret to it at all. So when it comes to midterm elections, if we don't get the concealed carry reciprocity bill passed or the Hearing Protection Act passed before midterm elections, which is next year, which is right around the corner, you know, <laughs> then we're done. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all. This is it. We have less than a year to get this done, to get it passed through the House and the Senate and get it to the, the president's desk to make this happen because if we if we do not get this done – then and then that's it. There is no concealed reciprocity bill. There is no hearing protection act. So time is actually running out now. So it's it's you know, we have a Republican controlled House, we have a Republican controlled uh, Senate, uh, a Republican controlled House representatives. There's no reason why we should not be able to get these bills passed at all.
5: At all. I, I don't understand. Especially no Health care. I don't understand what the problems are. It should be a piece of cake. I don't. This Scaramucci guy—he's all over the place. He's supported Hillary Clinton. He's been behind Obama. I, I really don't understand why he chose him.
2: Mm. I'll at least give him that if it's you're just doing communications and you're just there to get your point across. If that's all he's doing well, and not affecting policy, but
5: he does help with the president set the agenda for what agenda is going to be communicated. So it is a position yes. of power. I, I don't understand. Because he, he puts that he's for strong gun control.
0: Yeah. Not just we need to do something. Yeah, not he's moderate,
5: like, strong. Correct.
0: And his words have been very crystal clear. Mm-hmm. His tweets have been very crystal clear. And normally I'm like, you know, people should have the right to say whatever they want to say and all that good kind of stuff and all that's fine and dandy. But his, his it's very clear yeah, where it's this guy very stands. Clear.
5: <laughs> and, and. On many issues, he's not conservative or Republican. He's he's pro-choice. He's, um, I, I believe, I even read like he's for increasing taxes. He's just
0: so for this guy to be the voice,
5: yes, of the I'm White stunned. House. Well, I shouldn't be stunned because let's look at Donald Trump's history. The fix is he, in. <laughs> he's put more money in Democrats' pockets than he has in conservatives mm. over the over the years. He backed Hillary. He's backed. He was. He supported Obama. He supported
0: so many. So is liberals. the. I mean, is the fix in?
5: It might be. I mean, I didn't vote for the guy. Actually, this is the first election I didn't vote for anybody because I just could not get myself to vote for either one of them, which is sad.
0: I know the Libertarians kind of screwed that up. You know, they had this was the one opportunity the Libertarian Party had a chance to actually get a candidate in the office.
5: Yeah, I I I've, <laughs> I still haven't been happy with any Libertarian candidate. I agree with a lot of things that they say but I've never supported a candidate. They're always a little over the top right in terms of just being a little flaky
0: but i'm hoping you know <laughs> I'm hoping that you know this is he's gonna flip flop now he's gonna switch you know just like like he said in his interview on c n n this this afternoon- or this morning where he said, well, you know Ronald Reagan used to be a Democrat yeah. and switched the republican mm-hmm. party and and also um you know, he names some other people and stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, he maybe he has a change of heart. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, and we'll see how long this honeymoon lasts. Because yeah. he's he's doing good with the press right now.
5: I I, I know, but I I've, I know it's true that some people can change their positions. But I feel like he's not. He's being disingenuous because I mean, if you just look at his background, and and I have no problem with people making a lot of money. That's but you know, he used to be with Goldman Sachs. He's just part of that elite Wall Street crowd that tend to vote. Democratic.
0: Mm. All right. Let me and let me bring it to the conversation. Um, Derek J. Friedman out of New Hampshire. Uh, Derek, you know, Bitcoin is on the rise. It has doubled in price. I mean, back in 2014, when we started doing Bitcoin at the gun store, Central Texas Gunworks, it was like three hundred, four hundred dollars, you know, to one Bitcoin. Now we're talking it's like two grand what is going on totally
2: awesome i mean uh no big deal it's exactly what everyone should expect the price of bitcoin seems to double about every year the user base doubles and uh makes sense because it's digital gold there's a fixed supply and uh so the more people who are using it um the demand increases the supply stays the same the price goes up and so you know it's exactly what we should expect and the price will be higher next year so You know, I know there are great places like uh, Central Texas Gunworks that I've been able to use Bitcoin to um, buy self-defense tools, and I'm actually sitting in a store that only takes Bitcoin right here in New Hampshire to sell unique art, gifts, um, books, DVDs, men's clothing. So it's not just for stuff on the Internet. But thank goodness you, you changed the topic because I was having trouble holding my lunch down uh, talking about those people in a foreign country in, in Washington, D.C. You know, I thought it was independent. You know, that's a, it's its own country. So who cares what the people in the White House are doing? You know, that's a foreign country. Uh, it,
0: it's, it's totally insane. Uh, so the Bitcoin price right now is $2,776 for one Bitcoin.
2: That's... yeah and that's if someone's willing to sell you one for that price a lot of people will actually uh sell them for much higher right yeah so you'll be lucky if you find someone who will sell you uh for twenty seven hundred dollars you what, don't need to buy
0: yeah, $20 what's it yeah dollars
2: worth a hundred dollars worth
0: what's funny is i didn't know I, I didn't realize the price had actually shot up until i started getting calls from people that were you know all of a sudden more calls than normal hey uh, we want to do we want to buy a couple of guns, uh, on, you know, using Bitcoin. It's like, OK. And then I started getting more calls and I started getting more calls and like, OK, what is going on? So then I went online and took a look. I said, good Lord, it's at twenty seven hundred dollars uh, for one Bitcoin. So, man, people are now starting to they're back to buying guns and using Bitcoin.
2: Yeah, well, they've seen their purchasing power increase, which is totally the opposite of what people experience if they've been saving in dollars. Of course, everyone listening to this show knows that the Federal Reserve just endlessly inflates the money supply to pay for endless wars. And if you're not down with that, then you can jump ship, abandon the sinking dollar, and jump to a currency that's actually appreciating in value because it has the properties of gold and silver, a fixed supply. You know, people can't... um, you can't duplicate it or replicate it. Uh, everyone shares the same universal ledger. And anyone can download a Bitcoin wallet. You've got a smartphone in your hand right now. You can just download any wallet. I like mycelium. It's free. And, uh, but all of them are good. And get started with trading some Bitcoin around with your friends. Um, sell them. Uh, you know, I I've, I've sold salmon to a couple of my friends. and made some salmon salads and some coffees. And I sold them for Bitcoin. And there's other cryptocurrencies too if you if you don't like Bitcoin, there are tons of others now. Um, Dash is really popular ethereum is like programmable digital money so people are just going to see um, an increase in their personal freedom if they start using a free currency free money
0: All right and you also have a you have a d v d that's out that I think I was looking at uh, where you you know because you do a lot of activism and stuff like that so all right, so you have this uh, little DVD, and we're getting ready to go to commercial break here in a second. But um, it was – let me it's see. It's not
2: little. It's big. It's, it's big. seven-plus hours of bonus footage. Good you get Lord. Tons of behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, it's um, available at victimlesscrimesfree.com. You'll see uh, what happens if you disagree with the laws, even victimless crimes, and you disobey them peacefully.
0: And, and wait till you hear the story from Marcus uh, Allen Weldon, who we have on the phone as well. Uh, he's out of Detroit, and they nicknamed, nicknamed him the Santa Shooter. And you hear his story on what happened with him, and I tell you, it, it, it's insane. But when we come back, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more with Derek Freeman. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
1: Get the latest business news from CNBC. Weekday mornings at 6.30 and 8.30 and weekday afternoons at 12.30, 4.30 and 5.30. We make you smarter. Hopefully it'll also make you some money. Stay connected with Talk 1370. The The right right choice. This is a man's world.
5: This is a man's world.
1: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill.
0: All right, so we're back talking with Marcus Allen Weldon, nicknamed the Santa Shooter. Um, He has a book called "The Santa Shooter: Guilty Until Proven Innocent." Now, Marcus was telling us about uh, the ramifications of you know of him having to go to jail, having to bail himself out of jail. How much all this stuff cost uh, to you know get to that point? You, You have to hire an attorney. And all this stuff, and I, I want people to understand the importance of why we push Texas Law Shield, because if you're going to carry a gun, you're going to get your handgun license, you're going to carry a gun, and there's a possibility of you actually using that firearm to protect yourself or protect someone else, you're talking 12 bucks a month, $15 a month, 10 bucks a month. It's, it's very cheap, uh, it, and they will defend you in the criminal, criminal trial, I'm sorry, and also the civil trial. So you're talking something that's really cheap. And and, and, and it could, man. It's just
2: I, insurance.
0: Yeah, it's, just, it's so cheap. And I want Marcus to come back into the conversation and tell us a little more about, you know, how much this actually cost him.
3: Yeah, it's a build up over a year and a half and not kinda of include everything like missing work. So you're talking about easily a thirty to forty thousand dollar balance that you're gonna to have to pay. Um, depending on how long you sit in jail. And um also it, each forensic expert I, I, uh hired, they charged about two fifty to come to court on top of their fee to do whatever they had to do. So I ended up going around, I got close to about 40, over just over 40 grand through a year and a half because the trial ended up dragging on to about a year and a half. So every time I met my attorney, I had to pay him as well. So it, it's like a black hole, man. You just throwing money in and you don't even know where's it going. You are just throwing it in and at that point it becomes normal. Like, okay, well, here we go. Some more money need to be spent, but got to get out of this. So definitely I would tell everyone to invest in something like this program.
0: Okay, so tell us exactly how all this stuff came out. How how did it uh, actually lay out on the day of court or your week of court or however long court lasted?
3: Yeah, the trial ended up because they kept postponing it. I got judges changed. I ended up getting a different prosecutor. It was crazy. But, uh, of course, the, what happens is the prosecutor goes first. They kind of have their full reign in the preliminary. Then when they get to the tra- now, actual trial.
0: Now, did they offer you any type of plea deals or anything?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I was getting ready to get to next. They uh, <laughs> they offered me a plea deal—one about five years in prison, five years in prison.
0: Year in prison. Oh wow, that's a bargain. Yeah,
3: and when they gave me the when they sent me the one year, that's when I knew. I said, yeah, they were alive. They're about to lose this thing because how do you go from thirty to one? <laughs> Pretty and, stupid. And but. this
0: stuff, this stuff, not only does it affect you, it also affects your family yeah and this is ga- my family. this has got i mean this has got to be, it's got to affect your mother it's got to you know i don't know if you, your dad's still alive
3: yeah it affect everybody including the um my, the entire family including my daughter's life, cause, uh of course she's going to school and it's on the news so i mean how do you hide it from the public how do you hide it from other parents who are looking at situation looking at t v
0: yeah, and, kid, and kids and kids are cruel and parents can be cruel also because you're trying you're fighting for your life. You're fighting to stay out of jail, out of prison for years is what we're talking about. And, you know, and you're right. Your daughter sees this and, you know, her schoolmates may see this because their parents are talking about it. And that yeah. actually weighs on you.
3: Yeah, all that weighed on me. And uh, I ended up when I got this plea deal offered to make the decision, do I want to risk it? um but i stuck with my i I knew him within myself there was no way in the world i was going to take any plea deal for doing something i didn't do or something that you know that they're accusing me of i mean i did the shooting but it was justified so i I just refused it i didn't care what they said i was like i'm going all the way with this thing because if i have to do appeal of course people who don't know if you take a plea you can't do an appeal
0: and what people don't yeah. realize is it happens a lot. It happens a lot where they offer you some type of deal and you, you you your back is against the wall. You know you're not guilty, but you don't have a choice but to take the deal because there's no one that's helping you. You can't afford that defense.
3: Yeah, I call it the, the legal dream thing that you need. You're going to have to have the attorney. You got to have the experts. You got to have, uh, of course, not just not to mention your family support. Um, you got to have the, everything has to fall in place. But in in the trial, one of the things too, is you, you have to be strategic and you got to know when to pull your, uh, you know, Trump card out because, um, it's all, it's it's like a, it's like a chess game and defense goes, prosecutor goes, each person shoot their move. And one of the things that my defense did do well was they played their hand and they waited to the last minute and no one knew if I was going to take the stand or not. And I did. And when I took, I did, I did them my own merit. I mean, I think the case, we had it, but I figured, like, let me put the nail in the coffin. And so when I took the stand, it just, it, it just, it just pretty much just crumbled right in front of her face.
0: Yeah, because and, they um, didn't, they didn't uh, think you were going to speak and defend yourself. And then the people that were, you know, on the other side didn't even show up to court.
3: Didn't even show up to court. And then, uh, check this out. She actually and her closing argument, the prosecutor said, "Well, I should have shot a. I could have shot a warning shot.
0: Oh no! Which, Are you, and yeah, and not get charged of discharging was, a firearm in city limits.
3: That was her dirty, one of the dirtiest moves. And um Don't ever fall I never mean, for that, that, that trick because she was, yeah, she yeah, she was losing. So she she was like down on her luck. And then and when that and when that nine on one tape entered the courtroom and the uh, and all the evidence of the the clerk, what he said." And he was there, you know, you got he was there but he wasn't in court to testify, but his his statement was there, his written statement and his nine one take. I mean, how do you what do you how do you get how do you dispute that? I mean, and one way she did it was she tried her best not to let it in, in the evidence. She fought that too for now. And then, of course, not to mention the young lady. She also testified. I mean, we forget about her. She's like one of the main witnesses. She was one of the main reasons. She was the main reason I was there. So she testified. In her written statement, she said that the, she felt bullets whizzing past her, and she heard gunshots. And so she ran, and she said she turned around when she seen the individual digging under the seat. And um, as we all know, like, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, and it's pretty much like anytime you, they say you're about to pop the trunk or you're about to go you go to the car and dig under the seat, it's, it's just a sign of... Um, something's about to go down and it's usually involving a firearm <laughs> just the cold language so uh you know it's, it's, it was a situation that just i never i tell everybody you know never go to gas station late at night unfortunately i didn't follow that rule but it was something i was trying to do a shiverous moment and it just it just ended up becoming a disaster did you lose any of your fair weather friends over this situation marcus Yeah. Yeah. I lost a lot. You know, it's funny because like the promo video I did, I was working, I was networking with all kinds of different civil rights activists and it was funny. They didn't want nothing to do with the case. They talked to me and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them were uh, more so liberal type of uh, activists. And then I have liberal friends and everybody's kind of backed away. But my pastor, he stood behind me, which uh, which was shocking. A lot of pastors don't really get behind cases like this. And he jumped on the news and had my back. Um, I say all around, I mean, the people who I lost weren't considered friends anyway. They were just acquaintances and just guys that just in my life. But the majority of the people who actually mattered to me stuck with me. So that was all that mattered. Yep. Those who matter don't mind. Yeah. And, and of course being, I, I even to this day, I mean, people look at me like weird cause like, oh, he shot somebody. I'll have to live with that for the rest of my life. Even though, um, the guy survived, but, you know, and well, both of them got shot. So it's like, you know, he's, he, the Santa Claus shooter, once you put my name in the Google it's like, that's, what's going to come up. So it's not, even though it does have exonerated, you're still open for public perception. You're still open. No one was in the courtroom other than me and my family, my immediate friends. So who, what information are you going to go by? You're going to go by the articles or you're going to go by of course, every time someone talks to me, I have to break it down and say, tell them exactly what happens in the court. If you want in the court, you're not going to hear all this stuff. I mean, right. the transcripts are not online, so you know. But it, I've learned to to you know adjust. It's it's phenomenal talking to the jury members. I have one of the jury members I talked to kind of not on a regular basis, but we keep in touch. And he's like, man, you just don't understand. He was like. That video, they tried to zoom it out of the, they, they, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to look at the zoomed in version until you got on the stand and you, cause I asked her, uh, <laughs> I asked her, well, I can't see the video. Can you make it, you know, can you make it bigger? And that's when everybody was like, well, finally someone has said something cause she had it so small. We, we, it was already a grainy video. Like she had it so small. We couldn't even really see anything, but it was all tactics, man. It was all tactics of her trying to make sure that she can give them the image she wanted
0: to yeah what is sad it, it's sad and then she's gonna have a hard time sleeping i hope she has a hard time sleeping um because i mean they obviously did not do a good investigation they did not um you know ask for the video from the the gas station and then you know after listening to the 911 call and getting the statement from the clerk you would have thought they would have dropped the charges against you and not even bother yeah. even going to court but you know this never even should have made it past the grand jury phase. let alone go into trial, so I'm actually you know, this is just crazy it, it shows how people get put in the system and if you do if you cannot muster up a good defense, if you do not have the money, the resources, the family backing, then you're locked yeah. up in jail you don't have a chance listen to yeah. uh, listen to Marcus video. Yeah.
4: December 21st, 2014, and that was the roughest year of my life. I almost lost it all. My career, my life, and most importantly, my daughter. I was just with the mayor the other day. I was at the tipping point of my life. What happened? When I was caught in the jaws of the justice system, I realized I was not the victim. My family was.
5: My son is innocent. Uh, as I stand for you, stand here today, I'm glad I'm not at a funeral. Rather, I'm here trying to defend my son. At least he still has breath in his body. If it wasn't for Marcus, I do not know what would have happened that night.
4: They found the most incriminating photo of me they could find. A picture of me with braids when I was 17. I'm networking and meeting with everybody. Dr. Cornell West. Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Umar Johnson, CJ Chris of Open Carry, Texas, Rick Ector, Detroit Police Chief Craig said, Get armed.
3: People are going to protect and That's
4: himself.
0: exactly what I did. 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 This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
3: This is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It.
1: Check in and stay up to date all day long. In the car, on my way to work, heading home. Listening online keeps you in touch while you work at talk1370.com. Get it right now. Talk 1370. Anywhere I need. The right choice. Sound off on the news of the day with the talk poll. Online at talk1370.com. Talk 1370. The right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, I tell you, Marcus Allen Weldon,
0: you know what? You know, there is a a silver lining at the end of the tunnel there, and you did it, you came through to the other side, and in the end, it all worked out for you, and you were able to get a not guilty.
3: That's the main thing. That was the main thing that was... Of course, you know, wanting. So even though my, my integrity is still intact, I didn't take the plea deal. I know a lot of people would have.
0: And um, and I'm sure a lot, of, know- a lot of people were pressuring you to take a plea deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You. I had I had people in my ear like, are you sure you want to go through with this?
3: You know, you got a chance. I mean, one year is not bad at all. But um, like I said in the promo video, you know, I was actually working with the mayor on his uh, recreational board. And so I, you know, I, <laughs> it just just my entire entire history before this happened, I mean, it was nothing but positives. And I couldn't believe the amount of people that actually were feeding into this story and, and feeling like, hey, I didn't have a chance to win. But I, I think it's more so too that people were scared because the justice system has uh is, is not perceived to be legitimate, and is, and a lot of people feel like young black males don't make it out. Just to be completely honest, they feel like. Black men are railroaded every day, and you're just going to be another statistic stuck in the system. Yeah, don't take the chance.
0: Yeah, what people don't understand, they don't understand that until they get into the they get into the system. You know, whether you you have you're this guy that has a lot of tattoos or or you know whatever it is, you know you're you look different or something like that. You get caught up into the system, and you have to, especially you know you're right here in Austin, Texas. You know you're in Travis County or Williamson County. And depending on the circumstances, and I try to remind people of this all the time, depending on the circumstances, if it's bad enough, as a condition of bond, if you, Marcus, had been in Austin, Texas, in our county where we live, in Travis County, that was your case, you would have had to, as a condition of your bond to get released from jail, after you bailed out of jail, you would have to get an ankle monitor put on. And you would have to pay for that monthly, uh, I'm sorry, weekly until the end of your trial.
3: Oh yeah, I had an ankle monitor too. I, I forgot to tell you that part. You did. I, yeah, I did have that. I, I, I slipped. My mind. I don't know how that slipped my mind, but yeah, it was part of the stipulation. Yeah, because
0: so, yeah, that's yeah. something you have to pay for. A hundred. I paid a hundred bucks a week. Or it was close to. It was like close to hundred bucks a week. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realize. And I I try to remind, I tell people this stuff and no one believes me. They don't believe me until they're sitting in Travis County jail or some jail around this country and they're like, oh, my God, how can this be? I'm telling you, you will get screwed. If you're going to carry a gun, you're going to get a license and you're carrying that gun for personal protection. You better get yourself some type of legal representation. You would be a fool if you did not. You'll lose it all. You will lose it all. All it takes is just one little incident, one little, one little min- minor thing, and you're done for the rest of your life. They're trying to yeah. convince you to take a plea deal. Ah, oh, take this ten years, take this five years. All right, fine. We'll just offer you a, a year. That's a felony. You're, you know, you're talking about a you're a convicted felon. You lose your gun rights forever.
3: Yeah, and and I tell you, some of the allies that helped me out through this whole case were a lot of gun act gun activists. And it was like a culture shock to me because even though like, I grew up in a city where it was 84, 87 percent black and a lot of my allies didn't look like me and they were also involved in the gun community, I realized, too, as far as being active and, and, and being proactive in your knowledge and staying involved in different organizations. I mean, that, that helps, too. But a lot of people shy away from the gun community because they feel like it's a, a country redneck community. But it's not realized. I know. Yeah, they don't realize that. And just coming from the perspective, I, you know, I once thought that as well. But when I went through this case, I realized that's not the case. And you got guys like Miles Ray. You got guys out here who are preaching that message and, and bringing the urban areas, urban areas awareness up when it comes to Second Amendment rights. But that's that stereotype is definitely out there, and it and it hurts a lot of the urban areas.
0: Hmm. And so, tell us about your book.
3: Well, yeah, well, in my book, I, of course, I bring you through the case, but I also go deep into, um, the nights where I decided to carry my firearm and my best friend was cardiac and murdered. Uh, I was, a, I'm a full custodial, custodial parent of my daughter. And, um, that was up in jeopardy as well. So another, you know, a lot of people say, man, you, you're not like, you did something that black men usually don't do. You, you, you end up getting custody your kid and you be- and you beat the system that's like a joke that people throw around at the, around the neighborhood now because that's something they don't as an anomaly. And, 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 uh, so I decided really to just map out the system and just break it down and a step-by-step step of how to be strategic when you are, um, for your attorney as well. I mean, it's a good book for attorneys to read. Yeah.
0: And and, because knowledge, knowledge is power and you got to be persistent. You got to know, you got to know the laws and, don't let them railroad you.
3: Hey, image is everything. Image is everything. I, and character counts. When I say image everything, character counts. One of the things that was said in the court in the, uh, the, the last closing arguments, uh, they kept saying character. Look at this guy's character. Look at his image. Is this, Do you think this is the type of guy, for all the things he's done, you know, I'm also an engineer I, I, uh, by trade. And been working in that field for going on six, seven years. Went to college, went to uh, and also took a trade when I got out of high school. I have always been the epitome of what it means to be positive, and I always strive for uh, for things better than my conditions that I grew up in. Do you think he's going to go and take a gun and just start shooting people? I mean, in the Santa Claus outfit. Mm. And because of my character was so strong, it also had an impact on the jury. Because the presumption of guilt follows, uh, follows a lot of black people, a lot of the, the image of a black male around. Because but so what much. if
0: what if you were that person that didn't have that perfect record? Exactly, yeah,
2: <laughs> you exactly.
0: know, and, I, you, I, and you see those cases all the time. All the time. What if you didn't? You weren't that perfect person. You know, you didn't have a handgun license, and you're in your vehicle, and you can legally have the gun in your vehicle, but you didn't have a license for it. I mean, this the tables could turn so easily.
3: So easily, and the best thing I can tell people to do is stay proactive with the, in the if you have your c p o you have your license to carry, talk to the people in the gun community, go to different there's a lot of free uh seminars I go to you know there's a lot of attorneys who are willing to do seminars, and they won 't even like oh, they may charge you five, ten bucks you come out listen to a seminar but they it's worth it. Because once you know the laws and once you know what you can and can't do, you're so much ahead of the game because a lot of law enforcement, they don't know. And they're just – they're supposed to know, but they don't. No, they don't. And they they pull you over, and they're just going by what they think. And if you're well-rounded and understand what's going on, you have the upper hands.
0: I I tell you, you know, Marcus, I want to thank you for coming on the show today because, you know, we also get – in my gun store – I get law enforcement officers that come into the store that will take their gun apart and can't put their gun back together, and we have to help them. Um, I get a lot of people, I get a lot of phone calls from people that, you know, have someone pulled over on the side of the road and they want to, you know, get some advice on, you know, what the gun law is, why they have this individual pulled over on the side of the road. So you're absolutely correct when it comes to that stuff. And people don't realize this. I have given classes to judges. You know, who do not know the gun laws and they're the ones that are tasked to sentencing you or overseeing your case. And people don't understand. They don't know this stuff. So I want to I I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm sorry this actually had to happen to you. Um, And I'm I'm so grateful that you stood strong. You did not take a plea deal. I'm grateful that the, the people in the gun community came to your side, came to your aid, uh, because you are an awesome person. And your your daughter has got a wonderful father. You continue to do the great things that you're doing. I hope your book does, does really well. Uh, it's called The Santa Shooter Guilty Until Proven Innocent. Read the book. It's important that you get a good attorney. It's important that your intentions are good. It is important that you protect yourself and also protect your family. Uh, Thank you, Marcus Allen Weldon.
3: All right, thank you for having me on the show. And I will be in Texas next month at the Second Amendment Foundation uh, speaking. So hopefully I
0: can get over to your area and maybe we can do lunch or something. And we'll see you. We'll see you when you get to Texas.
4: Go. December 21st, 2014, and that was the roughest year in my life. I almost lost it all. My career, my life, and most importantly, my daughter. I was just with the mayor the other day. I was at the tipping point of my life. What happened? When I was caught in the jaws of the justice system, I realized I was not the victim my
5: family was. My son is innocent. Uh, as I stand for you stand here today, I'm glad I'm not at a funeral. Rather, I'm here trying to defend my son. At least he still has breath in his body. If it wasn't for Marcus, I do not know what would have happened that night.
4: They found the most incriminating photo of me they could find. A picture of me with braids when I was 17. I'm networking and meeting with everybody. Dr. Cornell West, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Umar Johnson, C.J. of open carry, Texas, Rick Hector, Detroit Police Chief Craig said, "Get armed." People are going to protect. And that's himself. exactly what I did. Did, did, did.
5: You're a legal gun
3: owner driving home from the store, and you see blue and red flashing lights in your rearview mirror. You pull over. Your heart starts pounding as you see the officer walk up to your window. You have a gun in the car. The panic question flashes through your head. What are your rights at this traffic stop? You hope the police know and respect your rights. But what if they don't? Be prepared if this happens to you. As a gun owner, know the law and have Texas Law Shield on your side. It's the state's premier firearm legal defense program with more than 90,000 members get protected today at texaslawshield.com. Again, that's texaslawshield.com.
1: Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk1370.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too